Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. Welcome back to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Today's guest is the one and only Jamie Gruber. He is a mastermind around masterminding. He's a recovering W-2 employee. He's a real estate investor and so much more. I'm excited to have him on the podcast today. Jamie, hey, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, man, it's a pleasure. I like that mastermind around masterminding. I've never had that one. Thank you for that. I'm going to use that. (laughs) That's the truth, if we're going to be honest. Well, tell us a little bit about who you are, Jamie, what you do, your background, your journey, all that good stuff. Yeah, we said at the beginning, before we started recording, use the term recovering W-2 guy. And I think that's a big through line in my story. So, uh, you know, the quick and dirty of it is I'm a native New Yorker who went through Boston and landed in Michigan, all with the W-2 company. I was a claims guy with a big insurance company. So started as an adjuster, took a big promotion to Boston, and then an executive type promotion to Michigan over the course of 21 years. And along the way, I started to, I don't know, I always, I guess, looking back, had this inkling that this is a job I do, but it's not, I mean, nobody grows up wishing to be in the insurance world. You just sort of land there. So, you know, I always had other ideas, other thoughts, this, that, and the other, but Real estate kept popping up. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad at like 22, and it was interesting. I reread it at 37, just as I'm about to make this move to Michigan. And it kind of clicked for me in that moment. And at the time, I had a single family home. I had a house in New York when I moved to Boston that I couldn't sell because I moved in 08. And it was sort of there. And that market never fully recovered. It was upstate New York, not the cool you know, city New York. That market never really recovered. So I could just never offload this albatross. And after I read Rich Dad, it was like, you know what? Hey, I've got this asset. Let me treat it like one. And then my wife and I decided to, to kind of double and triple down. So we started looking for these bird deals that I heard about on this Bigger Pockets podcast around Boston. Didn't really work this. So we went back to upstate New York and we found a guy that had four distress deals. He was an out-of-state investor. And you know, we said, hey, let's get them all under contract. So we did. And then when we walked them, I, I did that like sight unseen. We put them under contract, yeah. right? Then I, we walked them and two of them were just a little too far gone for my comfort level. Like I was a fairly new investor. I had some experience. My parents were local. My dad's a real handy guy. And even for him, it scared him. So I was like, all right, I got to kill the whole deal. But the guy came back with two of them that we actually got under contract just as I'm moving from Boston to Michigan and closed. And that sort of set off this idea that, wow, okay, there could be something else here. When you fast forward, I, I get this executive job, everything that I ever wanted, equity, you know, profit share big dollars, big bonus, big income, the whole nine. And I absolutely hated it. It wasn't the company. It wasn't necessarily the job, but it was as if my whole life, my ego had dictated the moves that I make. And it finally got to a point where it overextended itself. And my authentic self said, Hey, look, it's my turn. Look at this guy. He's miserable with the moves you've made ego. So it's my turn to take over. And that is, was like an epic battle inside of me that I went through for really most of 2017. Everything at work suffered. Nothing was working right. Everything I tried failed. Every time I pushed, things would get harder. It just, I was, I was in full resistance and never really could figure out a way out. 
But then I had real estate and I was like, well, all right, let me double down on this. If I bought duplexes, it's way easier to buy 10 or 20 or whatever units at one time. So I found this idea of multifamily. It seemed so big and huge at the time. Uh, found a partner. We got a 16 unit under contract, later a 22 unit under contract. And in the middle of that, I created a meetup group that I was really diving into and feeling purpose with. And that's when things started to kind of lift up for me. And I saw brightness in front of me. And I saw this idea that maybe there is another path. Maybe I don't have to be this executive for the rest of my life. Maybe I could find my way here. And the last piece of that was I found a community called GoBundance. A lot of people in the real estate space know of it. I was lucky enough to be qualified to join, jumped into that. And from that point on, it's been proximity means everything to me. And it was able to unlock me from my day job a year ago. And I've been kind of full-time in a few different endeavors, some of it real estate, some of it, some other fun stuff. And that's where I am now. I love it. A couple of things you said, Jamie, that stuck out to me. One thing is timing is so important in this journey. You mentioned having picked up that little purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad in your early 20s and thought, yeah, cool, put it down, go back to work yeah. for 15 plus years. And you kind of pick it up again midway through your career and something different clicks with you, right? So it's just one of those funny things how like timing is everything. Sometimes you're not ready for the information you're surrounded with to just kind of sink in and resonate with you. So Another thing is you mentioned, you know, living kind of your authentic life as opposed to, you know, living a life led by your ego. Let's dig into that. What exactly does that mean to you? Because I feel like a lot of people these days are wrapped up in uh, self-perception. You know, titles are very big in our culture and our society, right? I'm an engineer and I like saying, hey, yeah, I'm an engineer. You know, when you're out with your friends, it kind of has some level of status to it, but maybe that's not what's really driving my soul and really what's, you know, kind of feeding my hunger. Talk about what that means to you. Yeah, no, I'd say, man, but as a director is like, oh, I'm a director. And when somebody be like, oh, it would be, hey, that's right. You recognize my status, my level, right? So yeah. we all do that. I think when you're you know, six years old or whatever, you know who you are. And then that's around the time that things get complicated. You start to get told and taught and said things to and everything else that directs you down a path that might be a little bit off center from who you truly are. I think the greats figure out a way to stay completely on their line, but most of us get kind of kicked off track a little bit, just a little bit. In the beginning, it's, this is my center. I might get knocked off a little bit, but over time, as you diverge, you know, that separation becomes bigger and bigger. So our authenticity gets buried. Who we are gets buried. Whatever that instinct that we have gets buried and shaped by others. Like, I don't know if you've had this experience, but you ever see something happen that you didn't think was such a big deal, but everyone around you reacted in a certain way, like they were shocked by it, or it was a big deal to them or whatever it is, you know, like that, like in that moment, like, well, it's not a big deal to me, but it is to everybody else. So this must be a big deal. So that's how I'm supposed to react to this, right? Like you get conditioned on who you're supposed to be over time. And at a certain point, you know, unless you never recover from, but I feel like it happens somewhere in the 35 to 45 range for many of us. You just get to a point where it's so exhausting to hold this giant sack burden of what you're supposed to be in everyone else's eyes, and you just want to put it down. So to me, your authentic voice is that little thing that happens when you know it's very, very hard to hear, I should say. It's that little thing that happens, the initial like millisecond instinct you have with something, what you want to do next, the where you want to go to dinner tonight. I call this the burger test. So if you ever go to a restaurant, maybe you've done this. I know I've done this. You ever go to a restaurant and you're looking at the menu and you know, you're pouring over the menu and you're like, I just can't seem to decide what I want to eat right now. Right. But if somebody walked into that restaurant and this is kind of violent, but walked into that restaurant with a loaded gun and pointed it right at your head and said, order now or die. You'd say, I want the burger or whatever. Right. I would say I want the burger, but why didn't I want the burger? Why couldn't I just say that? Well, I had a burger two nights ago 
or I don't love how I look in the mirror right now or whatever. It doesn't mean you should have the burger necessarily, but you want the burger. That's that voice. That's that little voice that you hear immediately and then you layer over it because you're excellent in doing that. Whatever your authentic voice tells you, you're really good at swatting it down and layering on all this conditioning on top of it to tell you why it doesn't make sense to have the burger or it doesn't make sense to quit the job or it doesn't make sense to buy the real estate, right? So I think your authentic voice is that little thing that pops up immediately that you smack as soon as it pops up. When you can get, whether it's meditation or some sort of mindfulness practice to a point where you can hear that thing before it goes away so quickly, that's where you find your authenticity. And when you build a habit of following that as much as you can, things start to unlock in your life. That's my take on it. Really cool. I love it. The burger test. That's uh, interesting. Uh, that makes sense. I mean, if it ever happened yeah. to you, you're like, oh, what yeah, do yeah. I want? Like, you just want the burger. Just say you want the damn burger, right? Like, that's what it boils down to. But I do it too. We all do it. Like, we all explain it away. So here you are, Jamie. You're uh, midway through your career. You're doing well for yourself. You've reached a director executive level position with your company. But there's kind of like a fire in your gut, if you will, right? Some kind of uh, authentic self in your life that you're not living. What did that kind of transition look like? Did you struggle with that for? six months, six years? How did you kind of, you know, take that leap and become your own authentic self? Because if you're in that position, you're thinking, hey, I want to leave my corporate role or whatever it might be. And you've got a lot of people pulling you back. You're in that, you're kind of that sphere where, you know, this is the normal, this is the path to do, right? You're just not really feeling it. Yeah. It's funny if I think back truly now, and this I think is a litmus test for people. You know, when I was 25, a bad day in my mind was fantasizing quitting, even then, right? Contrast that with today. Like if I have a bad day, I'm not thinking, ah, the hell with it all. I'll go get a job. Like that just doesn't happen. Right. Same with my wife. Like my wife pisses me off. I don't say to her, like, ah, I should just divorce her. Like, you know, like I have a way, way bigger tolerance for the things I truly love. But even back at that age, when this job got a little difficult at times, I knew then, although again, quick, authentic voice, and then layer over it with all the conditioning around you. No, you need this job. You have to this, you have to that. I didn't listen to it then. So I think it's been there. It's been sort of like bubbling under the surface for this entire time, you know, 15 years, 16 years, whatever it is, before I actually ended up leaving my job. But the decision for me, to be honest with you, it's not as if, and I want to paint this picture, I'm not the guy that had the number in mind in passive income, hit the number and then quit. That's just not, it's not me. It's not authentically my story. I'd love to be able to say it. It sounds so cool and clean, $100 a door, 100 doors, 10,000 a month, boom, I left my job, right? That's not what I did. That's not what happened. For okay. me, it was really three-step process that I learned. And I look back on it, and I don't even know if I was intentional as I am saying it right now with that process. But the first thing was, if I left when I wanted to leave, I would have been running away from the job. I would have been leaving and fleeing the job, and I would have busted through the doors and been like, yes, freedom. And then now what? Right? I don't know what to do. So the first thing I did was I built something to run toward between my real estate business, Emergent Ascend, which we, we could talk about, and some other things that I had done and really being part of abundance and learning from this crew, I built something to run toward. That was really, really helpful. The second thing was I was out of debt. And I don't mean mortgages and all that stuff, but I just didn't have like, you know, a bunch of credit card debt or revolving debt, a car payment. I don't even know if I had a car payment. I might have, but a car payment maybe and a mortgage pretty much was what yeah. I would have boiled down to. And then third, I had some savings. So I had about a year's worth of savings and my passive income was, I don't know, a couple grand a month. It wasn't anything crazy. But for me, the decision really came down to when I finally allowed my brain to like be quiet and process things. I went on this drive. One of the goals I had with my family was to travel for a month with them to a destination of our choosing. And COVID allowed for that right at what ended up being at the end of my career. 
So I made this drive to Florida, South Florida from Michigan, ahead of my wife and kids. I took the dogs, the toys, we're there for a month, right? So my wife and kids flew a few days later. And after all the podcast listening and phone calls I could do in like 12 hours, I had like another 20 to go. And I couldn't <laughs> do anything but think and face the road. And these things started really kind of popping up in my head. Like, what am I true expect? Like if I had to get it all the way down, like what do I really need in a month? And that number was like four grand, right? Like, I mean, really basic living, but four grand, right? And then what do I have coming in? I'm like, I don't even have that much. I think I had like two or three in passive income, right? So it wasn't like I was covering even that basic nut. But then I got this money saved and man, I got this thing that if I could spend the time and effort on, I'm a few months into it already. I, you know, it's, I haven't made money on it, but I could see the path to it. So for me, the calculus was, okay, I have a cushion. I've got some money coming in. I can limit my expenses, but then I got this bet I'm willing to take that if I focus here, I could drive this thing and be fully fulfilled by it because I loved my Emerge program. And I loved the stuff that I was doing at that point. The impact I was making was so much greater than at my day job. So between all of those factors, I got like 99% of the way there. And then I left actually, there's a guy, Gino Barbaro. I don't know if you know Gino, but yeah. he's uh, Jake and Gino. Stopped at his house on the way down, uh, had lunch with him. Of course, he's like, quit. What are you doing? Quit. Are you crazy? But I left there still fairly sure, like almost there. And then I got a call from a friend in New England that I used to work with telling me that another guy that I worked with who was a little older than me, but a vit of, had vitality. He was a great guy, a mentor for me. He just suddenly passed, had a random heart attack and just passed. And for me, that was like, I mean, you know, I hate to use his passing as a symbol for me, but for me, that was like, I saw me and him right away. And yeah. it was a decision. I don't know if you've ever had those moments where like, I know exactly what I need to do now because I was disconnected from it. I was off center to the point we were talking about earlier and I needed to bring myself back around. So to be honest with you, from that point, I got to Florida. I decided I'm going to quit when I get back a month later. And I never really wavered from that decision. Maybe for like a day before I was nervous to say, hey, I'm out. But it was really all of those factors together. I think to, for learning, I would say, you know, if run towards something, right, pay off your debt, have some savings. And then, you know, you have to consider if you have something to run toward, can you build your way there? Can you take a bet on you? That to me was a big part of the calculus. I love it. Jamie, let's talk about masterminding and the importance that that has played in your journey and your transition to uh, you know, living the life you are now. I know you're big into both being part of masterminds, running masterminds. Talk to us about the importance there. Yeah. I mean, the value of masterminds to me in this day and age, which you know, is, is still fairly new, like the concept of a mastermind, it sounds strange to a lot of people. I always say like, it was like the Illuminati. Like, do we sacrifice chickens? Like, what is a mastermind? Like, what is this group <laughs> that you pay to belong to or whatever? But it's like anything, like if I want to be, this happened with my day job. When I wanted to be an executive, I took roles at my level that got me as close as possible to the executives. Because at some point I became accepted as a, yeah, hey, it's an inevitable truth that you will be one of us. Like everyone here is going to stump for you. And our boss who's levels above you sees you. They know exactly what you are. So what happens? I'm around executives. I become an executive, right? If I wanted to lose weight, I mean, if you go to the gym by yourself, that's one thing. You go to the gym with like five ripped guys that are going intense. You step your intensity up a little bit, right? You're keeping up with those Joneses in a good way, right? Yeah. And that's what masterminding is. So for me, I was a budding entrepreneur, maybe a side hustle entrepreneur who had a, a great network of people that are in my regular life. I call them my remember when. They were fully focused on me, keeping me safe. So that whole idea of like, hey, uh, you're going to buy real estate. Well, my uncle bought real estate once and didn't work out well for him. He got sued. I mean, you got to be careful or 
you really want to take calls at two in the morning. None of this stuff happens that often. It happens, but it doesn't happen that often, right? It's not real. Watch, I'll get a call tonight. But you know, like all of those people that say those things, they're just trying to keep you safe. So they drag you back and pull you back in like crabs in a barrel, right? I needed an imagine when crew, people that could see the future version of me, not who I am or was, but the future version of me. And that's what GoBundance was. Say people in my life, my remember when folks, they're focused on me and my safety and by keeping me safe, they want to pull me back into the tribe, if you will. Whereas my imagine when crew, they're not so much focused on me as they are focused on my breakthrough. They're focused on that thing that I'm trying to achieve. And then they're behind me pushing and holding me accountable. A quick example, I said to them in the Q4 of 2020 on my goal sheet that we do and we'll go abundance, I want to travel with my family to a destination of our choosing for one month. I said that in Q4 and then I didn't do it. Come January, I dropped it back on my goal sheet. Hey guys, yeah, hey, uh, travel for a month with my family to a destination of our choosing. They're like, all right, time out, man. Look, one of two things for the next time we get together. Either tell us this is not real, you don't want to do it and that's okay and you're going to kill this goal, but just don't talk about it again. Or give us a date, give us a budget and give us a location. And that was mid-January. We went two weeks later in early February for a month. So that kind of accountability, that kind of push, that kind of you keep telling us who you imagine to be and I'm going to hold you to that. That's what a mastermind does. And when you pay for that, like GoBundance is 10 grand a year, right? That gives you 10,000 reasons to engage with this community and get the most value out of it that you possibly can. So that's why I value masterminding so much. And I was so privileged to create one of my own. I heard you once make this analogy, Jamie, I don't know, maybe one of your social media posts or something, but it stuck with me and I'll bring it up here. It's kind of a funny kind of analogy you were talking about, I think in the context of hosting and creating a mastermind. And you laid out the scenario of like, hey, say you're hosting a party at your home, a dinner party or whatever, and you think about who to invite over. And then you've got this one guy that's pulling people into the bathroom like, hey, man, you want to go here? Hey, man, you want to buy this thing? And you're like, no, you can't invite that guy over. You don't want this guy at your house party, right? So you kind of tied that back into the importance of how to treat the people who are in your mastermind. Do you remember that? 100%. Yeah, that was, I mean, in so many ways, like any have you ever been in a real estate investor Facebook group? They're hard to control. I mean, I had multifamily and more. We've since pivoted away from it. But that Facebook group would be, I feel like I was constantly like with my back against the doors that are like, there's a mob on the other side of trying to like <laughs> bust open. And every so often the door would open and this little thing would fly in. They're like, you know, 5%, uh, no experience needed, 100% financing, 5% yeah. interest, 40 call, year Amazon. Call like, me, DM me. <laughs> you call me, DM me, right? Or like, hey, check out my free whatever that's coming. It's like enough of that. It's like, I don't understand that mentality in any community. Like you just said, the analogy I make is I look at a community, whether it's my Emerge and Ascend group or even a real estate investor Facebook group. If anybody out there runs one of these, if you have a real estate meetup and you have a Facebook group or something associated with it, delete the hell out of those posts that people put in there offering things when they've not become part of this community. Like I don't mind you offering me something if I know you and you're solving a problem that I've told you I have in that setting. Or if you're a present and visible part that's adding value to the whole community, and then, hey, also I'm doing this webinar. Absolutely. We know you as a value-focused individual, but there are so many people out there that want to get, 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 and they just, they don't have the patience. So they come out with this spammy, whatever. And that's a great, it's a good transition for me as far as like when I think of masterminds. So if people are listening to this and they're like, yeah, I keep hearing about, you know, GoBundance or they hear about Emerge and Ascend that I run or the Arete Syndicate or any of these masterminds out there. The only way to get value from a mastermind, the only way is to go in fully focused on what you're going to give to that mastermind. That's it. Because when you do that and you're in a target-rich environment, what I mean is 
other people who think like you and are connected and have resources and all of that, that you would benefit from. Don't expect it. Don't ask for it, but just go in and offer whatever you can. It could be an ear to listen or a connection or whatever. Comment on somebody's post if that's where you're doing it or go to a meeting and take somebody to dinner, whatever it is. You do that and you're known as a contributing member. When those folks decide to return value and go abundance, when they decided to return value, it's the owner of a baseball team inviting me to a game in the owner suite. It's a partner that's a 21-year Emmy-nominated writer. It's, hey, create a merge and ascend and partner with David Osborne on that, right? Like So when you add value, the level of value returned is exponential as long as you don't ask for it and as long as you're not expecting it. Yeah, it's really important. I think a good quality when you're thinking about how to treat and organize and be a part of masterminds, lead with value, provide whatever you can, right? And maybe you're just getting started and you can't really provide a ton of value. You're not the guy with the $10 million net worth or whatever it is. Maybe just be a ear to listen, like you said, or go in there and, you know, just participate, be a part of the engaging community. So I think that's really good advice for people. Now we're talking about masterminds, Jamie. I think it's really important to understand that you can be a part of a mastermind early on in your career, right? You know, say you're that uh, W-2 worker and you're trying to break out of the rat race and, you know, get out on your own. You can become an early part of a mastermind and still provide value and receive value. I think one of the uh, important lessons I had when I was kind of early on in my uh, exiting, I don't know, early on in my investing career, if you will, is this power of proximity. And I see the Tribe of Millionaires book behind you. I think that's one of, what do you call it? Pillars in the book? Which pill? Proximity? Yes. The connection effect. Sure. There's actually, they kind of all revolve around it when you think about it, right? Like, yeah, connection, the purpose effect. But yeah, no, absolutely. Proximity. I love to say proximity is power. I don't know of a better way to unlock whatever it is in you that you're trying to do. And like I said before, I mean, if you want to be in the best shape, get around people in great shape. If you want to be a great coach, find other coaches. Right now, I have a budding speaking career. Right. That's what I'm starting to do as like an iteration on my brand is like, actually, people want to hear me speak in an event, which is so fascinating to me. It really is. But it's so flattering. And I did it. I've done it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm sure there's ego. There's always going to be ego. But just to hear what people get from it when they come up to me afterward and to hear them say, man, I took something so big away is huge. But that's the world I'm going into. So I've started to really surround myself with, you know, People may not know these names, but like Jordan Montgomery and David Nurse, who coaches uh, NBA players, like he's a life coach for NBA players, coaches like 150 of them, right? But he's a speaker. He's a highly paid speaker. Nick Santanastasso is a friend, and he's coached me quite a bit on how to engage, little tips and tricks for speaking. So I'm surrounding myself with people like that, and suddenly I'm getting paid to speak. So yeah, I think proximity is an absolute game changer when it comes to this. And one thing a moment ago, you talked about adding value to others and all of that stuff. And man, the point jumped in my head and it jumped right back out. I'll come back to it if I remember it, whatever the heck that was <laughs> No, that's okay. <laughs> well, Jamie, talk to us about your involvement with uh, Emerge, Ascend, and GoBundance and what those are. Yeah. So GoBundance is the tribe of uh, healthy, wealthy, generous people that choose to live epic lives. That's the tagline. And Tribe of Millionaires is the book written on it. Anybody can order it. You can get it for free, I think, on the Tribe of Millionaires website. Just pay shipping. But it really what GoBundance was developed to be is a high net worth men's mastermind. Now there's a women's division as well, GoBundance Women. But the idea behind it are sort of these six pillars around accountability, you know, horizontal income or passive income is one of the pillars, you know, health, adventure, contribution, and relationships, right? Those are kind of the six reasons why a guy joins GoBundance. You have to have a million plus net worth. So I'm privileged to be a part of that. 
But once I got in there and got over the initial shock of like, wow, these guys are playing at a way higher level than me. I learned about the humility that is part of this group. And I learned so many different tactics, tips, tricks, ways of being habits that these guys execute that I started to put in my life and boom, within two years of joining, I'm out of my day job. So at some point I had this multifamily and more community, which had built up to a sizable organization. We had a whole bunch of chapters. So I was sort of known for building communities and the founders of GoBundance, David Osborne, Pat Hyben, Tim Rode, Mike McCarthy said, Hey man, we want to build like a, you don't have to be a millionaire yet club, but be part of GoBundance. Do you want to do that? And I was, I remember the like, hell yeah. I remember feeling so like, <laughs> give it to me. Like, I don't know how to do an online course, but I'll figure it out. I don't know how to build a mastermind, but I'll figure it out. But that feels purposeful. And again, I was still employed at this point, but as I started to go through and build this, I really settled on Emerge being a 12-week course and mastermind community with really three objectives. So the first objective is transformations. At its core, it's a goal-setting course. And we give you, you know, how do you create a vision with tactics and tips and homework around that? How do you create your goal with that vision? What habits and how do you implement them? How do you execute a planning strategy? And then we go through Tribe of Millionaires, six different modules of Tribe of Millionaires before wrapping up in the final two. But when I went through those things, it was like, I took all these pieces, put them together. And I thought, you know what? Let's make this a 12-week transformation. So set a goal at the beginning, use the tools in the community. And at the end of it, we want you to hit your goal. So some people came in, I want to buy my first short-term rental. They bought one or two by the end. One guy bought a dental practice because that was his goal at the beginning of it. He ended up buying a dental practice by the end of the 12 weeks just because of the push, the stuff I described before about, hey, come back to us with either this goal is dead or give us a date, give us a budget, give us a location. That's happening in Emerge, right? So transformation was number one. The second objective was proximity. This is to other people that are like-minded because most of us that are in W2 world maybe or just going down the path of real estate investing, we start to become lone wolves. We start to become a little bit alone in our network. We can't really talk to people around us fully because, again, uncle said he was sued. Are you going to get a 2 a.m. call? Like You just don't want to hear that stuff. Yeah, so right. you go to RIA meetings and that's good, but you might be new when everyone around you knew. So it's like, cool, we're all friends, but I can't really learn anything from any of these folks, but they're cool. So I wanted to make proximity around people in this group that decided, hey, I'm going to invest in me and come into this thing and be accountable and push others. So that proximity is one part of it. But also every Tuesday night, we bring in a uh, GoBundance member, man or woman, and we do what's called a millionaire case study where a GoBundance member will go most of the time through their one sheet, like where's their net worth? What's the growth in it? What mistakes are they making? What's their income right now? How much are they paying in taxes? What are their goals for this quarter? What adventures do they plan to take? It's inspiring, it's motivational, and it's live QA. In fact, proximity. I make everyone be on camera on Zoom. And if they have a question, it does not go in the chat. I don't take anything out of the chat. You need to be highlighted, spotlighted on screen with me and the GoBundance member and ask your question. And that is by far our most popular segment. So proximity is the second piece of it. And then thirdly, we're using Emerge as a filter. So there's 12 assignments. They're not very intense. They're not very long. You can get through them, but many don't. A lot of people don't. Those that do, I invite into Ascend, which is the GoBundance mastermind without the million dollar requirement. So that's the long-term annual mastermind where you get accountability pods and we have micro tribes. And every week we have a GoBundance member come in and train on a topic. In fact, in this quarter, after we record this, our week three of the quarter uh, topic is mindset and Jason Drees is teaching it. So Jason Drees is coming into Ascend for three separate sessions with a topic he's going to teach and then do Q&A with the group. It's that kind of value we provide in Ascend, but you got to do the Emerge. You got to Emerge before you can Ascend, I say. You got to get through Emerge to get to Ascend, so. Awesome. Yeah. It's a really cool program that you guys have built, Jamie. Yeah. You know, GoBundance is awesome. It's a group of awesome guys and gals. 
but maybe you're not there yet in your real estate or whatever journey you're on. And you know, that emerge and then ascend programs allow people that are just maybe getting started in their uh, journey to be part of a high net worth, high quality, high value mastermind. So I think that's really cool. Let's kind of talk about your real estate investing journey, Jamie. So uh, kind of backing up, when you quit your W-2 day job, what did your portfolio look like? I know you said you didn't have a ton of passive income built up, but you kind of talked about, you know, I had a little bit of stuff going for me. You mentioned you bought a 16 unit, then a 22 unit. Kind of talk about your real estate investing journey. Yeah. So I had a single, two duplexes, and then we bought the 16, then we bought the 22. I sold the single, I sold one of the duplexes. So that gives me 40 right now, as we record this 40 units. 22 are under contract to sell, and I'm a smaller partner in that 22. So that's my current real estate portfolio. So I'll be down to 18 units. I own the duplex and my partner, Ben, and I own the 16 unit. We're 50-50. And that spits off of three or 4,000 a month between us. So we take about 2,000 each out of it. And then my property in New York, I take like six or $700 out of it. And then the 22 unit, again, I was a smaller partner. It was another maybe thousand or so out of it. Again, it varies like month to month to some extent, you know, like the, these are all repositioning. So some months on the 16 unit, Ben and I look at each other like, do we pay ourselves a bonus? I mean, it's just like, it's been rolling so well. So we might take a $5,000 owner distribution out of it. And other times, like, you know, if for whatever reason we're feeling like, you know, we'd be a little cautious here, we'll keep the distribution slow. But three-ish thousand, I would say, is what we were taking in passively, what I was taking in passively. But then I partnered, again, GoBundance did this. One of the meetings, I met a guy named Mark Henteman. Mark Henteman, the cool part of Mark Henteman is that he is, for the last 21 years, been a writer for Family Guy. Emmy nominated. He was a writer on TED, TED 2. Really cool guy. Really cool. Uh, Fired by Letterman. And then Seth MacFarlane says, hey, I'm writing this script for Family Guy. He writes it with him. He watches the pilot episode. And Mark says, this show is going nowhere. No way the show gets off the ground. So he takes his script checks and he goes and buys a duplex in LA, like over asking, like way over asking. He's like, I had no idea what I was doing. So he buys it. He rents out the other half to the guy who does the voice of Cleveland. And he tells all the joke all the time that he tells him like every day he would threaten to a victim as a joke. But then of course, Family Guy took off and Mark was Mark's still on that show. And that duplex like tripled in value. So he sold it, but was completely hooked on real estate, bought a 12 unit and a 10 unit. And all of a sudden he builds this sizable portfolio by like 2006, seven, starts taking on investors with that are writers in the writer's room and eventually creates what's called quantum capital. And he's been operating quantum capital with him and one other guy, Nick, who's been the director of operations or the COO for the last few years. And then only recently, as he said, hey, I need to expand my team, my general partnership team. And it's funny. Ben and I, my partner had a 22 unit under contract locally. And it was like, man, okay, here we go. Reposition, do this, do that. And I don't love all of that. I love interacting with other people. I love the marketing aspect of real estate. I'll raise capital. I love getting on the phone, right? I don't love walking properties and looking at construction and figure, I just don't love it. Some people do. I don't love that. For me, it was like, wait a minute, we can partner with Mark and add value to his team in the area, this is me and Ben, in the area that we're most proficient, marketing, investor relations, and capital raising. Or we can go you know, deep on this 18 or 22 unit that we just got under contract. We're like, the heck with this. We wholesaled the 22 unit over to another buyer for 15,000 or something like that. And we partnered up with Mark. So with Mark, we closed on five deals between October and February, and we're just about to close deal number six. Man. Jamie, I'm just kind of take a step back and thank you. You know, I asked you like, hey, what'd your portfolio look like? What'd your position look like when you left W2 Corporate America? And you just laid it all out there so transparently. 
I know I follow people on social media in the real estate world that I know intimately call them friends, have dinner with them. And I don't even know what their portfolio looks like. So it just says something about your character and your values to just open up and be that transparent. And I know that's one of the founding kind of principles of, you know, you guys as a group at GoBundance. And of course, well, to that point, David Osborne talks about his $200 million portfolio or $200 million net worth, like nothing. He'll tell you exactly what he makes a year. Like, and it's not like, oh, if he does it, I do it. But it just makes you say like, what is the big deal? I mean, some people, you know, you could get sued or whatever, who knows, but what's the big deal and share like, hopefully it shows like, I'm not a baller, right? This isn't like I have this, well, that's oh, man, a good I'm making point. 50 grand a month in real estate income. No, I'm building still. I left my job to build what I feel is fulfilling. The real estate for me, honestly, that's a long-term play. Like Albert Perez is a guy, an acquaintance. Nobody's heard of him, but he's a billionaire. He owns five, owns, not syndicates, 5 billion in real estate, 5 billion, right? So I had the chance to meet him. I had him on my podcast and he goes, he's probably 65. He's like, I didn't make most of my wealth until like the last seven years. He's like, good assets double in value every 10 to 15 years. So you just got to buy, accumulate, sit on them, let them go and let them roll. And that's where I am. I mean, I have a nice backing. I have a nice net worth, but it's not like there's cash falling out of the sky here, you know? So yeah. well, no, to your point, you know, if you or I are David Osborne, yeah, you bet I'm talking about my plane and my net worth. I'm not ashamed to be like, yeah, I'm worth 200 million and I make, you know, a million a month. Like I would imagine that when I'm in that position one day, I'll be proud to say that. But now in positions like you and I are in like, yeah, I've got a portfolio of 16 units. It makes 2000 a month, you know, nothing to scoff at, but you know, it's not your billion dollar portfolio. So I just want to say thanks for the level of transparency there. Really cool to hear that. I jotted down a note here, connection, but I don't know what I meant by that. I think it was maybe the connection you'd made with, oh no, you said you're great at making connections and that was what you brought to this team. So talk about, you know, the power of, you know, having different kinds of strengths and weaknesses amongst the team. Yeah. Look, I think that there are really two things on this. My partner, Ben and I, when we met, we have opposing skill sets. And I think a lot of people, when they recruit somebody else there, it's easier to see how they're similar to somebody else. And that's attractive when really you want the exact opposite. You don't want a jerk, but somebody that has an opposing skill set. So Ben and I come together as a marketing team. I'm more comfortable with the outward facing part of marketing, right? Copy that I write, video, podcasts, getting out there, spreading the message. Ben's more comfortable on the back end of marketing, like setting up the active campaign integrations, you know, putting together the CRM, how, warehousing all of the creative that gets made, managing the relationship we have with our social media editor, right? Like that's the difference between us and what we bring to the fold. But I believe there are really three like superpowers that people don't you know, understand our superpowers because they're just so easy for them that can add a ton of value in any business, but in particular real estate. So the first one I think is an analyzer. Like I don't want to analyze anything. I don't want to underwrite a damn thing. But there are people out there that truly love the process of going through and dissecting like it's an investigation, like they're Sherlock Holmes. They even love optimizing the underwriting tool that they're using with different formulas and autofills. Like, that's an analyzer, so valuable. And it's a super app. For that person, it's no big deal. They look at the guy that's out and like marketing himself like, man, I wish I had that skill to just interact with people. But the guy out there doing this like me wishes I had a 10th of the skill and the desire to underwrite deals or just do any level of analysis. So an analyzer is a huge superpower. The second is an integrator. So an integrator is somebody that can take the vision of the organization like a field general, like line the troops up. They could see six moves ahead. They could see around corners. They know the right way to go. They, when something goes wrong, they quickly make a decision to repivot and go down and stay completely on mission, on vision. Again, a lot of guys I know in GoBundance are heads in the cloud, me included to some extent, visionaries. 
You know, I just want this, right? But they need somebody to put that into action. David Osborne's a great example. David's a big thinker. Matt King is the operational muscle underneath David, right? He's the integrator, which is a huge, huge skill. The third is mine, which is being a connector to your point. Connectors don't understand that this superpower exists. In other words, yeah, it's simple. I met you. I heard your story. I know this other guy or gal and their story. So why wouldn't I bring you together? Or why wouldn't I, if all of us are thinking about doing something similar, why wouldn't I bring us together and have a discussion about it? Like that to me feels so obvious and so easy, but for an analyzer or an integrator who's like downhill or in the weeds or whatever, it's not a natural inclination. So when Mark met me, he's like, look, I've got the operational side. Like you're a great connector. It was the first time I understood that my way of being was monetizable, like was actually, you know, was valuable to the tune of dollars, right? Everything else was, well, these are the words on the job description that I'm applying for within my company. Yeah, I think I can do all of those. But who I am as a connector adds value in the entrepreneurial world to the tune of a lot of equity, a share of the general partnership, and you know some acquisition fees that I get as a result of being a partner with Quantum. So integrator, analyzer, and connector, I think are three attributes, three superpowers that belong on any team. And some people say, oh, I think I'm all three. It's like, maybe you can do any of them. You could do any of them. But what one of those do you not lose energy doing? Like I could do this 12 hours a day, all day. I could also analyze a deal. I've done it but I need a break. Just like somebody analyzing a deal that needs to go to a networking event and interact with people, they need to be alone after that, right? Like you can do any of it. You might even enjoy some of it, but there's one of these three that is like, man, I could do this all day. I can analyze a deal and I can go home and research cars for the next four months that I want to buy and get the right car. Cause that's, I love that, right? I love interacting with people. I'll, it drives my wife crazy. I'll podcast, I'll create content. I mean, I'll go all day. I'll never shut up. So that's, <laughs> that's a awesome. superpower. Analyzer, integrator, connector, whatever one of those three feels like the light is to you, feels like it energizes you. That's probably where your superpower is. So just take a second, think about those, maybe take a little longer and think about those and then try to marry those skills up with somebody who, what am I trying to say? Like, uh, yeah, you're going to do, one of, two, well. you're yeah, gonna right? do one of two things in that regard. Cause I think if you're going to join a firm, like I did, like Mark is the principal. So there's the other aspect of this, which is visionary. I think you earn your way to visionary, but that visionary has one of these three attributes. So either you're complimenting something that they have. So if they're an analyzer, you're a connector, great, you compliment them. Or because they need to spend more time on vision, you're replacing what they are. So if a great connector elevates and builds a company and becomes the visionary of that company, they may need to bring another connector in to fill the role that they had previously. So either or. Ah, that's really good advice. Really good stuff. Well, Jamie, it's been a lot of fun talking with you in your journey from you know the W2 corporate America world to where you're at now. You're very transparent. Your story is very relatable. I think it's very valuable to hear people out there who look at you and say, hey, Jamie's just a few years ahead of where I'm at. And I really would like to do X, Y, and Z like he did. Here's how he did it. He got connected with masterminds. He you know plugged into a group and, you know, lent his skills to somebody else. I think it's really valuable. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us. I want to end with a lightning round, just a series of questions we ask every one of our guests. Are you up for it? I'm ready to go. All right. The first question is, what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And then what did you do to overcome that? Biggest hurdle was deal flow. And I found another market, to be honest with you. Like I wanted to invest at the beginning. It was cash flow, cash flow. You know, I didn't understand appreciation value and all of that stuff. So I couldn't find cash flow in the market I was looking at. So I found another market. Found another market. Got it. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. 
Jamie, do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success? I think more than anything, it's mindfulness. And that can mean anything. That could be meditation, you know, just taking a long drive and clearing my head, you know, even to the point where I'm exploring things like mushrooms and psychedelics to get my head clear and figure out things. Like there's a lot of different avenues for that, but some sort of mindfulness practice. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have an online resource you recommend in your day to day? Is this for real estate or just in general? Anything? Just in general. You know what? Honestly, it's probably YouTube. I think, you know, there's so much content. It's like anything. If you want to build your body, you put good stuff in it. You want to build your brain. There's so much good stuff that you can do. And I've learned from a lot of these guys that have morning routines where they spend 15 minutes on something that they learn. YouTube is probably the spot or audible that I go to for information to just to kind of download positive things into my brain. Totally agree. Totally agree. About a year ago, I uh, subscribed to YouTube premium. So he gets rid of all the ads. I used to have to, you know, like listen to the ads and it got a little cumbersome. So big baller, $17 a month, probably the best $17 a month I spend all month. So, you know, get rid of those ads and just pure content. So here's my advice. Jamie, what book would you recommend to the listeners and why? Oh, there's so many right now. I'm going to give you two or three. Breakthrough by David Nurse is an unbelievable book. My all-time favorite is Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. It's a lesser known book than uh, Think and Grow Rich, but I think it's better, Outwitting the Devil. And the other one I've really enjoyed and actually I've become friends with the author is The Gap and the Gain from Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan. They also wrote Who Not Who How, Not correct? How. Yeah. Yep. Okay. The yep. Gap and Benjamin and the Hardy Gap. wrote a few other books. Yeah. Gap and the Gain is his most recent book. And it's the same thing. Dan Sullivan principle that Ben Hardy brought to light in this book. And it's really good. Awesome. We'll link all those books in the show notes if our audience members want to check them out. Jamie, last question in the lightning round. If you were to go back and give advice to your 20-year-old self to get started investing in real estate, what would you tell 20-year-old Jamie? I would tell him just to start. I would tell him honestly to do exactly what he did. I think that our journey is what it is, but the thing that bogs real estate investors down more than anything is this desire to be perfect. And I always make this analogy, before you have kids, you can prepare all you want, but you don't know what it is to have kids until you have kids. And it's the same thing with real estate. You can prepare, you can listen to every 490 bigger pockets episode, whatever, however many there are. You can listen to them, you can read books, you can do all of that. Until you do a deal, until you go in and figure out like, crap, sewer line went, code uh, violation for flaking paint. I didn't know that they're going to charge me if the snow got above an inch before I shoveled it. Until you understand all of that, you don't know what it is to be a real estate investor. So buy something, make it, you know, scratch the numbers out. If it works, you have to buy. That's what I would tell my 20 year old self. I love it. Well, Jamie, hey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today, sharing your story and your journey. It's super inspiring. Like I said, if people want to learn more about you or the GoBundance, Ascend or Emerge programs, where is the best place for them to reach out to you or find more about those programs? I'm all over Instagram right now. It's kind of my favorite platform. So at the Jamie Gruber on Instagram, follow me there. You can go to www.gobundanceemerge.com. For some reason, the, this site, the www is necessary right now. We're trying to fix that, but to gobundanceemerge.com. And if anybody's interested in joining, I believe the price is at 1995, but use my first name, Jamie, all caps, J-A-M-I-E, you can get $500 off uh, and join us for $1495. Yep. Thanks so much, Jamie. We'll link all of those in the show notes. We really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Until next time. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. 
please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.